When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You coming to bed, hon? Yep. Honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow. 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 Ah. Some things never change. Like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on. And... Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. P- please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. My subject today is I have a sty, Matt. I have a sty. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can see that, yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, I mean, like, that's kind of one of those afflictions that you're not really used to people getting willy-nilly. Like, the last, the most famous sty I can remember is in there something about Mary, um... Mary's pretend ex-boyfriend, like a, a dis- disguised ex-boyfriend, he had a sty, and that's what I feel like right now. So, um, and to be honest, I don't know whether that it came through me being run down or me just watching shit footballing performances. Like my eyes got so tired, they gave up and created a sty. Yeah, no, um, I'm I'm having a little bit of a of a day like that. I don't. Uh, Pete was obviously back in, not obviously, but for anyone listening, and he was back in New York. Uh, for the weekend, which obviously meant that we all just had to catch up and drink far too much and whatever else. So today is is being renamed Suicide Monday, uh, following a hot on the heels of mental health weekend. I can promise you that a few days out on the lash with Pete is not conducive to good mental health, but more than open to talking about it with anyone who wants to talk about it. <laughs> um, right, we, we should uh, crack on into the pod, I think. Um, I've fired out the... Well, hit, Pete's done the tweet, and then I have very much retweeted it. So um, we should, I guess, jump into the uh, recording. So yeah. I'm going to have to steal Pete's pre Well, his little intro speech. We'll do a little clear. Can you sing? I'm not, I can't do sing, but I can do. Mirror man, mirror man, you twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Good 
Good evening, and welcome to the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. Um, you are joined by myself, Johnny Cochran, and none other than the sensational Matt Candela. Um, that's about as excited as I might be on this pod today, Matt, because what we watched out there was tough on the eyes. Um, it, it, it certainly felt um, like something we'd seen before, but... <laughs> Overall, you know, Pete usually comes to me with the hottest take. The the game has not long been finished. About five minutes have gone. Hello, hello to everyone in the chat room, by the way. But Matt, what is the hottest take from today's game? Quite a drab draw with Crystal Palace at home. Yeah, I mean, my hottest take is I thought um, we came out really, really well in the first 10 minutes. And I thought, oh, wow, look, we, we look really up for it. Uh, we got the early goal. I thought it was a great goal. I, I loved the directness from Pepe. I love the finish from Obama Yang. A couple of minutes later, Obama Yang is charging back to win a win a win a tackle in midfield. He looked up for it. Everyone looked up for it. And I thought, this is gonna be this really, really bodes well for our season. I think we're gonna I think we're gonna smash him today. I think we're gonna win on Friday. And already I was looking up. And then gradually, just like minute by minute by minute, it just got progressively worse and yet again I think even by minute 30 35 you saw there was a really big problem in the center of midfield and we refused to do anything about it like we have failed to do on so many occasions previously and in the end you know we're we're celebrating a draw and it's just depressing how far we've fallen two all with Palace I know they're not a terrible team the errors are <laughs> looks looks a better manager than the man we've got um but it's not good enough for where we want to get to and it's not good enough in the context of how we started the season and and yeah it's there's not too many plus points yeah you know um I'm just going to jump off the back of a few of them things and I know there will be some people who've joined the live stream today because they want me to be a little bit more how can we say straight to the point with uh <laughs> some of the directions that not only uh, are Arsenal moving in, but Arteta's regime again is moving in. And um, in some ways, I don't think I'm going to disappoint today because the kid gloves have been on in recent weeks. We've said our nice things, and rightly so. Some of them were very deserving. Um, We have to take our minds back to the Tottenham result, the North London derby result. And, um, you know, I believe the philosopher... Karl Marx says um, that religion is the opium of the people. Now, I believe that North London derby wins are the opium of Arsenal fans. We just seem to forget the pain that we're in because, yay, we got the result. And I, I don't get me wrong, I'm going to be very clear when I say this. Everyone, as I said at the time, should feel really pleased with that result and we should have enjoyed it. However, anyone who was then jumping to conclusions that this was somehow, you know, the fork in the road and we've took the right turn in and Arteta's methods have finally clicked. I um, certainly warned against um, uh, uh, um, complacency with regards to that. At the time, I said it is a great result and I'd love it if it has worked. But we've got other games where what we haven't struggled to do in recent times is get up for it at home fixture against uh, against Tottenham Hotspur. We haven't struggled for that. We've always been able to put together a decent performance. Can you put together a performance at home against Crystal Palace, a Crystal Palace who brought about the end of Unai Emery's reign because he took them too lightly? 
you've now got an opposite, you know, and, and sometimes football creates these romantic headlines, isn't it? And the fact is, is that one of the biggest legends this club has ever seen, I mean, you know, probably the most exciting thing for me at that game outside, the goal was good at the start, but we're seeing Pat walk back into the stadium and the, the man just exudes exemplary excellence. You know what I mean? His behaviour is awesome. He just got an aura around him. PV4, I'm bought in fully. I love the man. And for me, Arteta doesn't inspire me in the same way. He didn't as a player, but he doesn't as a coach. And the reason why I'm going to be a little bit more, a little bit more cutthroat on this one is that you not you knocked it on the head anyway, Matt, with um with your first um uh, hot take. But that is the fact that it seems like we're just doing the same thing over and over again. And and really, just went for all those people who were thinking that we'd turned the corner uh, with that top result and a couple of wins against a lowly opposition. Um, well, I'm sorry, but actually. That is actually the um, you know the outlier that result against Tottenham. The rest of it, we've been ordinary. We went to Brighton. I said after the game, it's a tough place to go, and you know a draw we take it, but we didn't play well. And then to come out with this performance at home, and quite frankly, there were poor performances all over the pitch. I thought Aaron Ramsdale was actually quite decent. I'm sure we're going to get on to talking about their goals um, throughout the pod, but um, I did like what he brought to it. As you rightly um, suggested, centre of midfield looked like a glaring issue. Thomas Partey doesn't look like he can run it on his own on today's performance, certainly. And that combo that we all as Arsenal fans got so excited about with Erdegaard and Partey in there, adding that steel and finesse, well, it just doesn't look fit for purpose. And this just comes back to what I've been saying before when we talked about, you know, uh, myself and Pete have had long conversations about this. Fantastic article, article Mike McDonald wrote um, on his website about, um, you know, the tactical plan that Arteta is at least trying to employ. Well, unfortunately, we have to, whether or not they have a plan is neither here nor there for me anymore. It's whether this is the right plan for these players to get the maximum out of what we can with the playing staff that we have. And, and, And I'm sorry, at times we look confused. He never seems to be able to get this team up for a game that isn't the North London derby, so we're running flat out all the time. And it just looked like we're back to the same old kind of up and down, volatile performances that Arteta brings in all the time, save for a couple of, you know, individual decent performances throughout the team. Um, yeah, uh, so yeah, you know, I, I don't know if you want to jump off the bat there or we move on. No, to I mean, I think, players. well, let's start with the starting lineup because I think the starting lineup came out and we were all loving it. Uh, like universally, everyone in all my WhatsApp groups, everyone on the internet was like, this is the best team that we can possibly put out. I don't think there's any doubt about that. The only question was whether it was slightly unbalanced and whether uh, Lukonga should have started, whether it should have been a 4-3-3 um, and whether whether maybe Pepe would have, would, have, would have stepped aside. But then you're like, look, we're at home. He needs to play games. He's got great contributions. So the lineup was as good as it can be. Um, a few other people have said, you know, people, they were tired. A lot of people have travelled. I think Tommy Yasu was in Japan or, or Japan were playing Australia. I don't know where, where it was, but a lot of, lot of people have travelled a long, long way away. But I mean, every team in the Premier League has been travelling away and we're playing on Monday. So we've had an extra two days to recover. So I don't buy that. 
And then you remember we were all saying the, the one good thing about missing out on Europe is that we've got all week to prepare for these games. Well, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't tell that we'd spent all week fixating, thinking about how Palace play because we got, out, we got undone ex- in exactly the way you would expect to get undone by Palace on the break. And so, and then on top of that, their best player, Zaha, wasn't even playing. <laughs> so it's really depressing on, on all those levels. And I think we have to start looking at the narrative because Patrick Vieira is getting far more. And I, this, was, this was the inevitable bit, right? If Vieira was to get a, a result here, whether it be a draw or win or play well, every single person is going to go, I think we've got the wrong coach. I think we've got the wrong coach. That, that's where it was always going to go. And I know that's like a really basic way of thinking. I know that's football fans on the internet. But it's impossible not to sit here now going, would be, could Vieira be, could be doing a better job than Mikel Arteta? I mean, it, it, it's difficult to make a case for Arteta because in terms of the quality in theory that we have and the quality that Palace have, then you know he's getting far more out of his players per head than Arteta's getting. You look at Edward. I mean, Edward. What was he? He was he was a relatively cheap signing. He's been on our radar for a while as a backup yeah. of a backup of a backup. I mean, he was electric. Yeah. I thought he was he was a menace. And you know, you look at the way our strikers play and their lack of intensity and the lack of menace. You know, you look at the the young kid from Chelsea who nearly scored with that volley in the last bit. Vieira is getting the best out of players. That is that is that is that is clear. They are responding to what he's doing. Obviously, who wouldn't respond to Patrick Vieira? I mean, he influences every single team from the moment he steps foot on the pitch. He influ- he's he's a legend. Uh, so that's my main disappointment. I'm like, why why is everything so turgid? And there's always an excuse. Like, I was, I was on my way and I was like, yeah, but, you know, two all at home against Palace. I mean, they, they've had some good results. They beat Spurs 3-0. And I feel like we're constantly being asked to rationalise why things are shit. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, we have drawn our last two, two shoddy performances with our full team available, no midweek games like anyone else. Uh and there's just not the there's just not the progress that, that we needed to see. We're always ahead of ourselves. We're always like, well if we win these two games, we're only like three points off United in fourth. Or we make up these stories, but it's a waste of time because we never do the thing we're supposed to do. We never get the six points. We never get the four points. And so now we start this next run of games and we're we're already on the back foot. So yeah, not 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 no no real some positives, but such small ones. When when you're talking about Lacazette being a positive, you know you're fucked. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um now, you know, I will I will try to uh, add some positives in for, if nothing else, you know, for a bit of balance. People like to hear that. And, you know, for the people who will be expecting to see Pete on here, by the way, um, he's not on here. He's come up with an excuse. Apparently, he's got the builders in. So he set us up and he's laying back in the background. He knows he was going to get called out here for his main man, 
Arteta. Um, the, pla- the, the train's going off the tracks right now, and he is not held accountable right now. He's like Edu. I think he's at a barbecue with uh, one of the super with Mendes right now, Pete. But who knows? Yeah. Anyway, so the, the, one of the positives I um, did think came out of it was Ramsdale for me looked like a. Um, you know, I think he continued on along his positive form. One of the things I get really refreshed about seeing Ramsdale is he's so comfortable with a ball into his feet. And sometimes the players give him horrific balls. And these are the kinds of things that, you know, granted, I think we've improved um, with getting Ramsdale in, in, the, in between the sticks as opposed to Leno. But you can see how Leno would panic over some of these things because sometimes the goalkeeper's getting the ball with a man hounding him down. But... Ramsdale doesn't panic, and it is really refreshing to see. He made some very smart saves. I thought um, in commentary uh, in the UK, anyway, um, there was a little bit of a call about whether or not he could have done better for that second goal. I thought it was an explosive finish, to be fair. You know, maybe, maybe top, top keeper saves that. I think they do, in fact. Um, And maybe that's something Ramsdale could grow to be able to, you know, pull out those saves that not many other keepers could. But... I didn't think it was a glaring uh, miss by him by any stretch. I thought Tommy Asso started well again. He always brings that, um, you know, his bad day is a good game. Um, he made a very, very, um, well, he's defending very, very well in the first half, which just cut across Benteke, who looked like he was going to have a, a simple tap in, uh, a simple head in at a back post. So he did do well. Now, we've got some people jumping in on um, the chat right now. Pretty much saying what I'm going to say, uh, and that is that, you know, you, you mentioned that there will be some fans saying we've got the wrong coach. And there are people saying, yes, but we have actually got the wrong coach. Now, I'd kind of hinted at it earlier. You know, sometimes football gives us these um, storylines, these narratives, those romantic kind of stories that develop of an old player, a legendary player coming back. But I had said for a while, looking at this game, it was always going to be a situation where there was room for direct comparison. You've got a, you know, there's direct comparison between their managerial skills, because if you want to talk about their legacy at the club, there is no direct comparison. Vieira and Arteta are chalk and cheese. You know, Arteta doesn't have a patch on what Patrick does. You know, there's only a few that do. Um, quite frankly, I think the fact that there's not a statue of the man outside is is a glaringly a glaring omission from the Arsenal hierarchy. But the fact is, is I think that Vieira has been treated poorly by the club since he's left. I, I don't know why we let him go when, when we've been so good at bringing ex-players back and in, in, reincorporating them into the club and keeping that narrative and that um personality um he was allowed to go to city when you know Wenger did that he let him go but afterwards when he retired that is when what you do is you do what Chelsea did with Petacek you know welcome back agent check you've done the job with Arsenal lost in the Europa League come back in you're in you're in part of the infrastructure of the club and that's what should have happened with Pat we I, never should I, have I agree him... I I have to I have to challenge a little bit on that because Obviously, love Vieira, always have loved Vieira ever since he came in 1996, uh, 97. Uh, first game, brilliant. Sheffield Wednesday at home, changed the game. Outstanding for a decade. By the end, he was being really fucking annoying and threatening to be off every single year and holding the club to ransom a little bit. That was that was a reality of it that personally left a little bad taste in the mouth and is probably the reason why. He hasn't got a statue. He was always like, shall I, shan't I? Maybe I'll go, maybe I won't go. 
And in the end, he went to Juventus and he got showed up by Fabregas and it was all fine. And he's a legend and, and all of that is 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 forgotten. But I agree. Like that that's all that's all all history now. He's an invincible, he was our captain, and get him involved in and around the club for for sure. And I think why there's not a statue of him outside, I mean, there should be, right? Well, whether, whether or not, you know, and I appreciate your point, but whether or not he was asking for an Im- improved wages, it doesn't really change anything for me. I don't, no, I he's don't still, get he's to. A, he's, a, he's a living. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and now, see, one of the things is, before Arteta got the job, we were talking about prospective candidates. I think there was an appetite amongst the fans to give a younger, newer manager an opportunity to come in because we'd had the experience force within uh, Emery and one way or another, it didn't work out. But there were people, and I said at the time I would have preferred Vieira because he has more he has more experience at the very least. And that's not just the fact that I like him more than Arteta. He has more experience. So this is going to be a natural pressure situation for Arteta with the natural comparison that will go. I've said before, if we are doing shit by Christmas, which all of the signs are pointing to going <laughs> to do shit by Christmas... Vieira will probably be our coach next season. I do think that's that's where it's going to go. If they continue to do well. And what? let's discuss what they've done. Look, Palace are a solid team, a Premier League team. They've been around for ages. They've got some good players, but they're not never going too far up nor down. But what he has done um, from what was already, you know, a goodish team under Roy Hodgson, certainly experienced, he's the, the um, additions to the team you correctly pointed out Eduard looks like a very shrewd signing and when you look at our issues up front you, you look at it and going hold up he, this guy's gone there and we're just what doing the same thing with the players that we currently have when like you say Lacazette's coming off the bench for us looking like a breath of fresh air yet we know he's not the answer then there has to be an issue you know with regards to whether we're getting the best bang for our back back in the um transfer market. Not only that, but Vieira looks to have made this team very solid and hard to beat on their front. We, uh, apart from the fact that not only Tommy Asu and Ramsdale have come in and both started putting in solid performances, we just don't look coherent going forward and yet always have that you know, ability to give you a goal at the other end. Today it was Thomas Party, first of all, with a, a glaring... Oh, a glaring fuck-up. And to be honest, you know, I don't... I don't know about Thomas Party. I, I I really like the guy as a player. I think when he's on form, he is absolutely different gravy. But maybe, maybe we don't, you know, kind of bang on him right now in terms of, oh, you know, that obviously was a, a complete glaring issue that led to their goal. But I want to talk more about the fact that um, with Party, maybe it's that we're hope we're giving him too much importance in this team. We we have too much hope for him because. He's he's showing at the moment that you know this is a Palace team, decent but not the best in the league. And quite frankly, they they ran us in midfield. I thought, um, and we would expect better of a team like you said. Everyone was very hyped about that starting lineup when we started, and then as the game wore on, you just looked at that that team that we looked at on paper and went, "This is the best we can offer." And then you actually start to see the amount of holes there are within the team, not just perhaps the limitations of the playing stuff, but quite clearly, obviously, the setup as well. I mean, I just think it's, you look at the way a team like Chelsea packs their midfield. You know, they've got like, sometimes they've got Jorginho and Kante. They've got uh, that Kovacic. They've got all these, they've got, they've always got a couple of them in there because 
it feels to me like they always go, and it, this is the, what they always used to say about a football manager. You, you know, if you if you run midfield, you win the game, and you know you never want to get overrun. And, and it was pretty easy to look at that team when it came out and go. Um, and, and my honest reaction was, wow, he's going really bold. He spent the week looking at Palace, so he must be really convinced that Thomas Partey can run midfield on his own. That that's that's the only way of looking at it, because that's what he was. That's what that's what he was he was saying with that. But there's no other team in the league who sets up a midfield like that with no one to, with asking one person to do the job of two men. Yeah, it, it, it's not possible. And so that just feels like a, like 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 a like like an issue. And. You know, you you just didn't get what you needed from Odegaard, or I mean, I mean, I thought Smith Rowe was was all right. Um, you but, always uh, do, though, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> but Odegaard was anonymous, totally anonymous, which was which was strange because I really felt like he was another one of those players that was going to kick on, and we've been prizing his uh, his spirit and his commitment. So to see him, so he was really meek today. Which, but, which was which was a shot. But Matt, does it not come down to this as well? And, I, and I'll I'll throw this to you as a question, if you like. You know, when we look at the starting lineups, and you know, I encourage all the people watching to think about this as well. And how often we'll go, great starting lineup, we're going for it because the way that we see it, it's like if you involve all of these players, surely there'll be so much attacking talent that we'll have to overcome our attacking deficiencies. When in reality, most of us understand that's not really how it works. It's not like, you know, within a space of a football club, you get, give us, put our 11 best attacking players on the field and we're bound to attack. Well, it doesn't work like that. You need balance. And it's actually a flaw of the way this team is set up, not just the lack of players to make it like, you know, if we had a better setup, our players could be better than the sum of their parts. Do you think that's an issue and, and an issue with the way that we view it as fans going, yeah, just get this player on, get this player on, get this player on, like they're going to suddenly make us attack uh, coherently when in reality we haven't seen that for a long time barring a North London derby? Well, I think there's a few things. I think one, there's a danger that we massively overrate all our players, number one, so that when we're looking at uh, uh, at the team, we're... We think we see Odegaard. We go, oh, Odegaard. That's that's the guy who was outstanding against West Ham. You know, we go, oh, Smith Rowe. That was he was brilliant against Tottenham. We pick and choose our moments. Obama Yang. That season when he scored thirty goals. You know, that's he's great. Um, whereas the reality that we the problem that we have as a team is that all of our nearly every single of our players is inconsistent. Like every single player is is pretty inconsistent, unproven. There's there's there's, there's very because just because of the age, there's there's very little consistency there. They're consistently inconsistent is the best thing you can say about them. So when we look at the lineup, we are imagining them all at their best, like playing a coherent brand of football, and and that's just not the reality because most of these players have one good game in four or five. So the chances of them all having it at the same time, like they did against Spurs. The odds are just are just not great, you know. It, so it feels like at the moment we get a good game every like five or six games. And when you think about the Invincibles and those top, even you know, two thousand and eight or two, or you know, some of the better teams that we've had that didn't even win the league, 
we were still on form four or five times out of out of six. Whereas now it's like it's like every, every one and even players like Saka and we can come on to that. It's it's I mean Saka's not consistent. I mean he's pretty consistent for England, but he 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 has he's not really consistent for Arsenal. He's consistently been one of our better players, but that's not saying much. So I think that's half the problem. And then in terms of the setup and the brand of football, I think we're 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 struggling. We're we're grappling for for what it is. I really had a good feeling after the first 10, 15 minutes that it felt like a Tottenham-esque performance to me, 10 minutes in. I thought we can win this two or three, and then it feels like maybe our home form, because even when we've had not great teams, our home form has always been like 17 wins, you know, a couple of defeats or whatever. And it, and it felt like maybe we were getting close to back, we could get back to that form. But then you're like, this is like, fucking hell, we're, we're going to struggle. We're going to struggle at home all season as well. It's not going to be. It's not going to be easy, and that's the that's the depressing thing. I, I'm seeing a lot of comments around Granite Xhaka and missing Xhaka, and it's like, yeah, we. I think I think we are, and that's that's a bad sign. You know, he's you don't want to be missing him. You want <laughs> players coming in and and proving that the fans were right, and that it was a better, more mobile version, and that we have the other tools in the arm in the arsenal that can deliver a job, but. Yeah, you're, you're looking at it and you're going, yeah, yeah, we probably are. So, yeah, there's not there's, there's not a lot not a lot of good news, but party definitely miss Shaka. Yeah, and I mean, you know, uh, we have the headline up for those listening to this podcast rather than watching. Uh, it, it, the to- the topic at the moment up on the screen is missing Xhaka, question mark. And Pete has put that up because he is actually watching this pod, but not actually participating. He's pulling the strings like some Wizard of Oz character uh, <laughs> behind the curtain. And I love that. But uh, yeah, he's um, put Xhaka around there. And, and, and I'm in complete concert with you there, Matt. Um, I think we do look like we miss Xhaka, certainly, you know, with that pass in between the lines. But yet again, it's a worrying omen if Xhaka is being missed in this way because he's a player that we should have moved on from long, long ago. Um, what is worrying about? So two things that I've got to pull up quickly. One, um, in terms of the UK coverage, they showed a very kind of disconcerting stat um, uh, again on our on Sky coverage, and that was that we are well. We've now joined Burnley as the second worst uh, record when it comes to goals in the second half, with two goals in the second half. What we seven games in the season? Um, Norwich have none. But I mean, the reason why it's so upsetting, if you like, and distressing, is that. This feels like the kinds of teams that we're getting sucked back in towards now. We're depressingly average. This isn't a, you know, one-off. You know, we, we're not thinking like the days of 10 years ago, maybe, where a draw at home to Palace was like, oh, we had an off day. This is not an off day. This is our day. This is what we do. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's again, it's more of an, an anomaly to get performances like that at home to Tottenham. But obviously, that is a special result anyway because of the, the nature of the relationship with the clubs. Um, we have to, again, look at what Arteta is bringing to the team. And, and listen, I'm, I'm cutting him short shrift just like I did last year. The fact is, he earned the sack last year. Shouldn't have been there. We have to be realistic. This is a manager who's just one manager of the month. But 
guess what? So did Nuno before he turned up at the Emirates and just got an absolute roll in and played donut midfield. It can happen when you've got a coach who, um, you know, just still is struggling to get messages across to the players, either that or certain players just don't believe what he's saying. I think the more worrying trend was, as you'd said it, because usually as an Arsenal fan, you kind of, and you've said this on re- uh, in previous podcasts, Matt, you know, in the t- first 10 to 15 minutes of a game, you know what Arsenal f- you're going to get. You know how they're going to turn, what they're going to do. Well, no, actually, you don't, because we haven't even got that to fall back on. Because actually, they gave us 10, 15 minutes of quality, and we're like, all right, we're going to give them one today. No, 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 no. We're now going to just down tools and essentially surrender, because... For me, Palace looked more dangerous in that game until, up until the point where Lacazette came on the pitch. And well, you know what? Yeah, I, I think, you know, um, the thing that they did that really impressed me that I haven't seen an Arsenal team do in in years, really, is they weathered the storm of us absolutely handing their asses to them. And then they dug in and then they came again for us. Yeah. And I think that's that type of spirit is like the spirit in from that di- you have from being in difficult situations is something that we have got none of. I think we've got, I don't think we've gotten bad spirit full stop, but when we face adversity, our heads immediately go down and there is no way back for us. Like you think about a team like Chelsea who have got just just their DNA is just they're fucking ruthless like it's like they get they get a red card and 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 they're one nil down you're like they could equalize against any team they could find a goal they could dig in they can get a result when we get a man sent off it's we are we are we're we're gonna lose we're gonna gonna get hammered uh if it's a draw it's we're gonna lose it's not we're gonna hang on and I thought Palace, the thing that I, I was really impressed because they got, I thought they're going to get thumped here and they and they managed to reground themselves at an away game and then come back and, and nearly win it. And you've got to say that must be coming from the manager. Uh, it, it felt very Vieira-esque. I remember those days when, you know, normally often he'd be sent off, but when it wasn't him, he'd he'd keep them going. And I think that's the thing that really worries me about this Arsenal team is, any type of adversity in a game, you don't feel like we can come back from. It used to be that if we were 2 0 down, well, we'll win 3 2. Or we get a man sent off, we'll, we'll, get a, we'll, we'll battle and get a scrappy draw. And I know we, we, got, we got an equaliser, but the, 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 we just can't seem to respond to, to, to adversity. And, 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 and to concede two goals like that is, 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 is poor at home. Yeah, I, I you know, um, and shout out to everyone in the comments. We are reading them. Uh, some great points being made there as well. I, I love um, Joppa there. Manager of the month equals the new top four trophy. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly it could be. Um, now, for me, I Pete's put up, um, Wizard of Oz has put up another topic here. Are we depressingly average? And I uh, certainly think that's the case. I don't think anymore we can believe that we have the capacity to do any better. This is what we are. This is who we are. And I said, I set Arteta a a metaphorical challenge. Obviously, he's not listening to me, but this was for my judgment of him. After that Spurs game, can you kick on? Can you make this a result that is contagious? 
it breeds another result like this and a performance like this that can then breed other performances. Because if you do, I'll have belief, and those like me who view him, you know, the way that I do, I'll have more belief that we have actually made, you know, noticeable and considerable change in in the ways that are needed at someone who's two and a half years into their tenure at a club and they've had a lot of money to spend. Unfortunately, that's not happened. Yes, we're only two games further on, but for me, the 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 performance is so de- depressingly familiar that it says to me that actually, this if, if you want to plot a graph, okay, and, and and you were going down before shocking start to the season, worst in you know in a lifetime, and then we've shut up and we put together those wins, and then Arsenal fans now again with that opium where they can start saying, oh yeah, we we've just nipped above Spurs, ha <laughs> ha, let's all laugh at them. No, there's plenty of laughs still for us. Plenty of laughs. We've still got it, you know, all to do. And the fact is, is I have to look at what where Arteta finds himself at this stage. We're we're into October, deep in October. You know, obviously there's a lot of football to be played, but who really thinks, who really thinks that at this stage we are going to go on some kind of run? And, and and you kind of made the point earlier that all the teams above us, let's take the three out of the way, Liverpool, Chelsea, City all better than us. There's nothing we can do this season that could lead us to catching up with them. Man United, Leicester City, Tottenham Hotspur, all deeply flawed teams. Everton are going to be going for it as well. That top four, as while, while Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is in there, Man United are not going to be able to remain consistent because they have similar issues to what we're going on to discuss. You know, The opportunity is there for someone in their, in their third year in charge of a club like ours with the amount of money and resources to be to at least have bedded in your ideas so we can benefit from continuity and uh, you know a consist a consistent plan that has drip thread through to the players so we're starting to outperform um you know other teams who maybe are superior in terms of personnel but are a little bit more disjointed or weaker at the managerial position or just have you know change in and around the club the fact is, is we're not benefiting from that continuity. Arteta has had all of this time to start bedding these ideas in. And it just seems like this is his graph. His graph goes up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down like that. We can go. We are just as likely to go on an eight-game winning streak, streak as we are to have our worst start to a season in 50 years. This is what the guy does. That's what he brings to the party, you know, and and... The the problem of why it's so frustrating with him is because he's really polarised, and not and I'm sure he's not tried to do this, he's polarised the fan base. Whereas in Emery's last knockings, everyone just seemed to go, oh, you know, we can't really see it improving, let's call it an end. Some people just vehemently defend Arteta and believe that this plan is coming to fruition, but even in the highest highs, I still had to question whether this, you know, it was not just the high points of his inconsistent run. And for me, I think a lot of Arsenal fans will be looking at Arteta and his position right now and feeling as disillusioned as they were perhaps in the summer and, you know, serious question marks as to whether this guy should be the guy, you know, the man to continue leading us. Yeah. I mean, it's difficult to disagree with any of that. Um, I think part of the part of the problem is that we look at it and we go, look, we had Emery, so uh, we jump to a conclusion. We go, oh well, that means that we shouldn't have someone experienced. 
<laughs> that's like the, the, the dotted line that you get from Emery. Oh, that means that we're better off with it with a with a young, fresh, innovative thinker. And then we go to Arteta, and then and then we also go. Oh, but we can't get anyone else. Who's going to come? Uh, because we haven't got loads of money. Well, I mean, we spent the, the most in the Premier League last season. So the argument that we can't get anyone because we don't spend enough money is 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 not is not, is not correct. Um, I think the bigger thing is we have begun at least this season to establish this identity, which is we want to buy young players. We want to we want to buy young players and turn them into stars. So I personally think that's a great strategy. The problem with it is why didn't we do it last summer? <laughs> like we wasted like a year, a year. So half of Mikel Arteta's full time is, is, has, was, was a complete waste. So that's that there's, 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 it's disjointed there. And then, you know, you sort of look around and you go, you know, who who's better like we, we we can't agree on it if if i said to you johnny would you like rafa benitez would you like carlo ancelotti i mean what would what, what would be would you would you prefer that to arteta like a known quantity who's you're never gonna you know you're never gonna win the league with them if you love to be remembered as the person who gives the best birthday gifts i'm here to tell you that 1-800-flowers.com is your ultimate birthday gifting destination 1-800-Flowers has thoughtful and artfully created options that are guaranteed to deliver the best birthday surprise. Shop thousands of unique gifts at 1-800-Flowers.com for exclusive offers and great values. To order today, visit 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. You know, you're never going well, to... Well, Rafa Benitez has got a pretty good record of winning things. We know Carlo Ancelotti has a Premier League. I mean, the fact is, is I definitely would rather Benitez than um, than Arteta. I mean, everyone everyone who argued against Benitez, when I raised his name before, you know, when, when I talked about that we should replace uh, Arteta with someone who knows kind of what they're doing and has experience, oh, it's boring, horrible brand of football. Have you seen Everton? They look decent. They actually look decent. I look at Arsenal, we look shit a lot. Do you know what I mean? We are quite a boring outfit. And that's on the regs now. It's not a one-off. We we struggle to get things going all the time. Again, save for a North London derby, which you cannot just have a season where you can only get up two games out of the year. Um, and there are other options out there. And, you know, it, we can't, as fans, limit ourselves in our fault to, uh, you know, it, it, like like... You know these girls you hear you 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 meet in life who've got a, a got a boyfriend that cheats on them all the time, and they're like, no, no, but he is good to me, and I'm not sure I could get anyone else. Like it's self esteem issues. Let's have some self esteem, Arsenal fans. You know what I mean? We can do better. And 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 the fact is, is there has to be standards in place. And sorry, I've just seen a great comment there, DJ Diamond on the uh, comments saying Solskjaer and Arteta are pointing to each other like a Spider-Man meme. And that is it. You know, uh, you know, they're both they're messing up right now. And I think that um we can absolutely do better. What 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 has to be extrapolated though is a, a, a good point that you made, and that is between our transfer strategy and our managerial um, uh, incumbent. And that is that we have made a positive move when it comes to our transfer strategy. 
I nor anyone who's been paying attention should be arguing with that. The simple facts of the matter are we've made a logical and sensible move when it comes to target acquisitions. That is through buying young and players that we can build up and hopefully um, resell on at times to, you know, to to make the most of that asset as opposed to what we've been doing in, um, you know, recent times, which is like business suicide. But that doesn't mean that even though Arteta has, you know, played his hand in some positive signings as well, that doesn't excuse the fact that ultimately the one thing that has to be right and where he will be judged is our results on the pitch. And you can't just be going, hey, look, Aaron Ramsdale was good, isn't he, eh? Oh, yeah, Tommy Asso's these... Mate, we're not winning games. Palace at home, two, you know, what I mean, last minute equalizers. Brighton didn't look good against them. You know, again, can we beat a team that aren't going down this year? That's that's what I want to say. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and I think, and I think the other thing is, is you have to say if Arsenal. Do you remember when uh, it, it's a long time ago, but uh, that no one had any wind of it, and then suddenly we bought Jose Antonio Reyes. And it's like fucking hell. We bought Reyes for seventeen million. We're like, we're we're top of the league. We're flying. <laughs> we've just spent, spent all this. We got some of the best. We got Henri. We got Burkham. We got all these players. And, we've, and everyone at the club gets a massive lift. And I think that you can't underestimate if the club decided, which they won't, by the way. We all know they won't. And they just said, news flash tomorrow. Arteta's gone. Antonio Conte's coming in effective immediately there is absolutely no one who would not be delighted about that so 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 you've also got to look at that and go uh you know we some of us are are okay with the status quo but a lot of it is because we don't believe that the club will give us a better option but there are better options out there for sure yeah and i mean you know I'd maybe push back on that a little bit. I tell you what, um, you know, if Conte came in, me and you would be pleased. But there are some fans who are wedded to the idea of Arteta, and this this is one of the things I'm, I'm kind of interested in at this stage. I honestly believe that some of Arteta's biggest fans, it's not really that. In my respectful opinion, they've lost track of judging the man off of the performances on the pitch, and they've started to attach themselves to the idea of him. You know, I think Pete is guilty of it somewhat as well, you know, in terms of he because we were sold an idea of this is a really progressive, young, forward thinking coach. He's got all the ideas. He's going to be able to come and completely set a new agenda at the club and bring the club forward into the modern era. Yeah, but that's not what we've ever seen. (laughs) You know, we've been shit more than we've been good. And that's just that's just a reality. That's not me saying it. We've had a FA Cup win. Look at our league positions. Look at our results. We've been deteriorating for a while under him. And, you know, I say this all the time, but, you you know, you made the point earlier. It's all well and good talking about, oh, we've changed tack now in terms of our transfer strategies and the way that we're going to be playing. Well, why did you do that after a year? Who gets a year and a half freebie, a free hit before they go, hey, yeah, I was just... I was just practicing there, but now I'm trying. That's ridiculous. No, you know, I think I think that's I think that's true. But I think and I think you can't under. I know I've certainly been much more accommodating because of the FA Cup win, because that FA Cup win was. I loved it on so many levels because finally it looked like we were tactically smart again. That was like it felt like 
we were adjusting our tactics according to the teams that we were playing against and were coming out on top against the best coaches in the league. It felt like we'd had years of beating t- being beaten 5-0, 6-0 away from home against top teams. And now we could go in a one-off game, shithouse them, win games. And I just thought the fact that we finally had someone who could do that, in my mind, it was, well, if he can do that with the team now, well, imagine what he's going to do when we expand the, the quality of the players that we've got, when we are playing those types of tactics when we're away from home against a good team, but at home we take the handbrake off, we're smashing teams three, four, five, nil, all of those sorts of things. So he had that incredible half a season in many ways. By the way, if he loses the final and has exactly the same half a season, we all think he's shit. And it, it yeah. was it was only because he won it. Then we had the the last season last season, which was just a disaster. The one great thing for him about it being a disaster was that there weren't fans in the stadium and it was COVID and it was just a fucking odd season. So I think that's the reason why we still have a lot of people who would love to see it work. I would love to see it work because I, I want Arsenal to win and we've seen him do some good things at some at times. And there's some certain logic to, to 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 where we're headed. And you also know that the club's such a mess that there's no way he's getting... It's, it's not like being set up for success. However, you know, every every game that goes by is another, is another nail in the coffin because the truth is we now know... We already know what this season looks like. We already know. This season is eighth. It's it, it's eight, eight somewhere around there, yeah. because it's going to be ups and downs and good performances and bad performances. But it's basically going to be an eight, eight, and then there's going to be an, a probably another decent spend in the summer, and then it's going to be now this is the season to make it happen. But it's just that's a, that's going to be it's going to be a long year, and we're, this same conversation is going to be coming over and over and over again. And he doesn't help himself because he never gets the results when he needs them. And what I mean by that is if he'd won 3-0 today and then drew 2 all with Villa on Friday, then it's a lot better because 2 all draw, even if it's a shitty performance, you can you can go you can the fans are happy going into that game. You've got some momentum, and then on the back of it, you can go. We shouldn't be playing four days after the last game. We were tired, but we still scraped scraped to win. As it is now, even if we win 3-0 on Villa on Friday, it's just like, oh, God, but that Palace result was so bad. And it's a bit like being a lucky manager. It's just you've got to win the games that need to be won sometimes. And I fear for him because he's won the Spurs game, but, I mean, he really struggles. And now... I mean, that's that's a tough game now, Villa at home on Friday. I think, um, the, uh, you know, um, a few people in the comments are saying, does anyone really fancy us to beat Villa? I, I mean, 50-50? What, do you, what yeah, do you think? Of course, of course. And look, to further kind of paint a picture with regards to not only where I, you know, feel that Arteta's out, but how a lot of people, I think, feel about him. So it's interesting you brought up how he started for us. And I know we've still got Benita's propaganda in there. And I think this can all tie in. Um, 
one of the things that I was most excited about when Arteta came in, um, despite all the hysteria about what he might be pet marked to, yeah, that was something to hope for. But what he showed us in that half a season was an ability to be pragmatic, to set up against better teams, teams that were easily superior uh, uh, over us with regards to playing stuff and set up and find patterns of play to be able to get the most and maximum and maximize results out of it which led to a um obviously a successful run in the FA Cup but um apart from that I also had the hope that we would progress our playing style and you know as time went on he would be able to bring that but ultimately one of the other the, the, the two things that really stood out in that initial period was that he was pragmatic and he seemingly had changed the mentality within the squad we didn't bottle it in those big games and after years and years of bottling it was like has he turned the corner if nothing else through instilling a hardened mentality in this team well fast forward two years and you say actually he's not pragmatic because the way that we set up against these teams it's often like we shoot ourselves in the foot just alone off of, um, you know, and I know like lineups can be quite controversial amongst fans, but the way we set up is often not pragmatic anymore. We're just trying to do the same thing every time. And sometimes it doesn't work against different teams or they find ways to play against us. And the other thing is, you know, that positivity about the mentality, that's gone out the window. We look just as weak and fragile as we have under previous managers and for years gone by. That just hasn't, the needle hasn't been moved, despite having good characters like a Ramsdale in there or whatever. They're just a few special um, characters out of a, you know, a, a kind of melancholic bunch. There's not many big characters and personalities there. So when... You know, we previously had the uh, you know no, uh, the note up on screen about Benitez um, <laughs> propaganda. Well, the one thing I'd always say about Benitez is he absolutely is pragmatic, and he has a clear, whether you like it or not, a clear and structured style. It's that simple. He's always done it everywhere he goes, and it's led him to winning trophies at most clubs he's gone. So, for me. Of course, he would be a good anti. You know, the ship has sailed now. He's gone to Everton, but. He would have, of course, been a good antidote to where we find ourselves under Arteta. Arteta stronger leadership, a, a clearer direction, and absolutely a um, proven track record of changing mentality at clubs he's been in to get more success out of, you know, a reduced capacity playing playing stuff. Pete is back on the pod. Pete, have you got anything to say now? Welcome, but welcome. I have my name being slandered. <laughs> I had my name being slandered. It wasn't even the room. I could just feel it. Ears burning. I just thought I'd come in uh, just to prove that I wasn't running scared. Pete hasn't got a spider sense. He's been, got an uh, Arteta yeah. sense. I'll, 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 I'll face up to it. Absolutely, absolutely garbage today. Absolutely disgraceful. I don't, um, and I just coming in off the back of that managerial talk, I actually think that the worst thing you can do is go out and hire a Rafa Benitez. If you've got a good strategy, you're signing young players to fit a certain system. Just get someone that can do that system that's better. Like, don't don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like, I think there's been so much chopping and changing. We've gone from Arsene Wenger to the, the horror show that was Emery football. Now we're trying to implement Manchester City principles. And it's not that, you know, like, we, we've got the right players to do it. I'm sure if you put a Graham Potter into the Arsenal scenario right now, someone that's used to working with difficult characters, 
someone that's playing great possession-based football um, at Brighton and someone that's just got 10 years more experience in the game, I'm sure they could carry on the progress and it, it wouldn't interrupt the flow of what we're trying to do in the academy scene. Because, you know, I think the, the Arsenal overarching idea is to play this possession-based football from, you know, the under-10s all the way through to the senior team. And I think if you come in and you put Conte in there, sure, you might get a, a quick uptick in, in results. I'm, and I'm not, you know, I'm not 100% sure Conte would pick up the Arsenal project because the, the competition in the Premier League is just too much for him to worry about soiling his reputation. But I think if you put someone like Graham Potter, who has a high ceiling, um, who's doing great things at Brighton, I think the, that would be a, a sharper move and maybe wouldn't be so disruptive. You feel like someone coming in could just tweak the system to have a better attacking output and we could have a good rest of the season versus Conte has to come in and tear everything down and kind of, you know, no, start I again. Mean- I mean, I mean, we talked about Conte. It's just a name out there. No one's wedded to that idea. I think, obviously, he would bring and generate excitement amongst Arsenal fans because of his, um, you know, his history of success. But, of course, Graham Potter is a name that's very high up there. And, you know, the reason why we're talking... You know, one thing I would say, Pete, is I don't think you can conflate the two things of getting someone like a Benitez in there and he's going to not get the best out of the young players that we've signed in. He's got Damari Gray there. You know, Andros Townsend's not young anymore, but he's got some young players at, at Everton in his team and playing well. It doesn't mean that it has to be some kind of, you know, archaic style of play where he just gets loads of mercenaries into the team. I think, some again, Benitez is gone. I just think that... It's, before we use people like that as a way of protecting Arteta going, oh, but we can't get rid of Arteta because someone like a Benitez might do this. When who knows? I think that if you said we've got young players we want to play and guess what? They're actually our better players. Anyone would come in and play them players. I don't think, you know, most would be wedded to it. You know, whether it be, is Zidane an outrageous shout? Graham Potter? Um, you have Conte? Map, I think have, there are I, other names. I think you have to map a new manager to the project. Zinedine Zidane is not doing anything with this Arsenal team. The guy is absolutely top draw. He should be at Manchester City taking over from Pep Guardiola because that's his level. Um, you need to find a manager that can make the most out of uh, young players. You need to find a manager that can develop talent um, and you need somebody that can motivate them to to, to play exciting attacking football. Uh, I, I think the... Leipzig have done a consistently great job with making sure that each manager that comes in sticks to the core philosophy of the club. So every time they change out a manager, it isn't, well, I need 200 million to make this better. You don't need 200 million to make Arsenal competitive in the Premier League. I honestly believe that we've got a great squad out there and Arteta just isn't making the most of it at the moment. But I think they'll, I think they'll get better. And I think with the right manager... I still, you know, I still believe in the strategy of young players. I still think that we've got um, a lot of exciting things in that squad. It's just Arteta can't roll out a two-two draw. Um, so, so, so question, Pete: When, if we're still bumbling around as eighth, and you know, basically where we are now, maybe slightly better by January, do we think that we give him the whole season, or do we think then's the time to begin sounding out coaches for next season? Because I, I can't. I think. I can't see us moving beyond bumbling around around eighth by by January, like and more and 10, 10, 12 points off fourth. 
Yeah, I mean, look, if if it's if it's looking like a, another horrendous finish, the best gift that you could give a new manager, if you can find a new manager, right? There's like there's no point in moving on Arteta if there isn't a good choice, right? If we're going to finish eighth and a new manager comes in and takes us to seventh, you know, th- that's not what we want. But if you can find the right manager, you have to do what I think Southampton did it a few seasons ago, years ago, in fact. They had Nigel Adkins, who got them into the Premier League, and then Pochettino came along and they were like, see you later. <laughs> we're signing this guy because we think he's absolutely mustard and he's going to take us to the next level. And he came in and he did a great job. I think if the right manager comes along um, that can shift the project forward and Arteta's not doing it, like if you can get them in so they can have three months at the end of the season to implement ideas so you can start the next season um, off at a fast pace, I think that that's, that's the ideal but I, I, like, if it's looking like we're going to finish, um, if it's looking like we're going to finish seventh or eighth, and the only manager we, we can't find a manager that's going to take us to the next level, I'd rather not do it. I'd rather wait for the the right person to show up, uh, maybe in the summer. So, but, so when, when when we talk about it, let's let's be let's try and pin you down on this one, Pete, because we have this has been one of the longest sagas for this pod as well as Arsenal, and that is the Arteta debate, and uh, it's gone. <laughs> all around the houses over, you know, the last yeah. 18 months. Do you, when you see these performances, and, you know, I think you, after, even though I was a little uh, intoxicated after that Brighton game, I remember you seeming almost more despondent than what I was. Maybe um, the uh, Jaeger bombs has caught up Six with me. Jager but <laughs> <do> that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah that's, that's, they'll do that to you. Ah, it's not a big deal. But do, do you, when you see this performance off the back of a Brighton, and then... You then contextualise those three positive results and think, well, actually, we've had far more shit than we've had good this year. Again, um, do you think this is the end? Do you do you think do you still believe Arteta is the guy, or have you started to have seen enough that it, it, we're just not progressing anywhere near the way that we should? I think it's getting to the point where it's boring. Like you know, just it, it, it got it got to that stage with uh, with Wenger. Where it's like it's difficult to even muster anger. You know the the worst the worst position the worst state a football fan can be in is um, a state apathy. of apathy. Yeah, and I kind of felt after that first half, you could see where that game was going because I've seen it so many times before, and we could we could win on Friday, and then it's a little blip. It's a little bit of life in the system. And then we draw again. Like if you know, it could, it could just bumble around and just be okay for for quite a while. Like I'm, I don't think I'm ready to say this is an Arteta out moment. But when you know, if if he loses his job, it's games like this. It's games like this. All you had to do was put on a a, a front footed performance. All you had to do was create, um, you know, some directness, some attacking flair. Look, if Brentford can do it in the Premier League, if Brentford can limit Chelsea to one shot on target and have seven on, seven shots on target themselves, score three goals against Liverpool, there must be an idea in the system where with all of those talented players, you can do something. And games like, games like um, Brighton, you're like, okay, away from home, Brighton are difficult, like terrible weather conditions, not, not at home with mm. watered grass, uh, <laughs> just a, just a nice autumn autumnal evening. Not, not that, you know, Pat, Patrick Vieira put a team out that he's worked with for three months and they looked better than us and they were and, unlucky. And, and their best player was missing. 
and their and their best player was missing. And Arsenal had uh, an extremely exciting um, lineup of young players. And you know, we, we can't live, we can't dine off one half of football against Spurs forever. Like he's had two games to get it right, he hasn't. Now Friday, what's going to happen? We'll probably win on Friday. Um, and that, that's almost that's almost the worst position to be in, where it's not quite bad enough to make a sacking. And it's not quite good enough to give you hope. We're in this sort of like managerial purgatory, potentially in a managerial purgatory. And like what Arteta desperately needs is nine games on the bounce. He needs it. He needs it. And I just one I, way or the other. Yeah. <laughs> so one, we can one, make yeah, a decision. It it's like at least then you can make a decision. But these sort of like topsy turvy results. I mean, like one thing that I didn't like, you know, fans are the fans at the Emirates don't help when they're tutting players like I, I, I feel like it, it I don't feel like the atmosphere in the stadium was very good today and I don't know whether that was like two weeks off but like sometimes um you can feel a mood when you're in the Emirates because people just can't be bothered with it anymore and I, I think that that attitude so early on in the season isn't great um but Arteta doesn't help himself because the players you know the players did come out firing and then they just take their foot off the gas and if they're taking their foot off the gas that's a managerial problem because we've seen what the peak looks like, and that's Spurs. And then, you know, score a goal after 12 minutes. And Arteta said after the game that um, he thought we should, uh, he thought the players didn't want to go for a second. And they didn't. But that's your fault. Yeah. That's your fault. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm starting to get to, to, to apathy stage. But, you know, the one thing I am excited about, Ramsdale looked great again tonight. There's some serious talent. You know, the, the biggest shame of the Palace game is that, you know, Thomas Partey shouldn't be making mistakes like that. Just shouldn't. And if he if he doesn't make a mistake like that, um, it's a different game. And it's like, what, why is it? Why does so? Why do senior players consistently let us down like that? It's so disappointing. You know, like he's supposed to be the Rolls Royce, and um, he lets down out there. And I, you know, I heard your comments earlier on in the podcast. It's like maybe we just expect too much of him. Maybe he's not that player. Maybe he's just supposed to be in. You know, just above middle in the pack. Yeah, um, you know, loads of interesting points there. Firstly, you know, you talk about the fans, you know, and the the atmosphere they set out. It, it's clearly visible. But guess what? You know, uh, you know, it might be contagious in terms of the the atmosphere that the fans create, but it's also adjustable, and the players can adjust the atmosphere from the fans by doing something on the pitch. That's what happens. Fans want to be entertained. They want to go with the crowd. They, they, want, they want to go with the energy of the game. If you put energy in, fans will cheer. If you keep serving up turd sandwiches, guess what? People will go, uh, you know, because they're bored of it. It's, it's, it's rubbish. And so I don't think that we, in any way, at any point, should be blaming the fans because guess what? This is, this is a cumulative uh, effect when it comes to what fans have seen over a number of years now. And I think ultimately, you know, apathy is the right word. Outside of that, um, of course, I, I, I think that we could look at individual players making mistakes. But when you look at the system uh, uh, that we consistently keep putting out, there is a system that, because there are there are rules you can put in place in terms of the way that we set up as a team that can prevent players just going to sleep after, um, you know, 15 minutes and scoring a goal. There are ways of make sure, making sure that we have energy and all the players know what they're, that they're doing, what they're doing on the pitch, and we play with an intensity. You can't, you know, if a player's not feeling it on a day, of course, that can happen and you can take them off. But 
in terms of the way you set out a pressing system, that is the manager from the manager's mouth into the ears and minds of the players. And that is like, if you're within five metres of the ball, you have to press. And the player behind you has to go with it. There are rules that you can set up that mean that our players have to play with intensity because they have to follow their duties or they won't play. Those kinds of instructions seem to have just meandered to nothing now. I think there's a lot of confusion in the way that we play and we do things slowly. Crystal Palace had higher tempo than us today. They were pinging the ball around and looked more dangerous in those areas outside of when Lacazette came on. And as much as we, um, you know, may have grown tired of the Arteta storyline, we would have grown equally tired of the Lacazette storyline and Aubameyang. And neither of them are our salvation. And we do need to find a new solution up up front and in attacking options. Um, But I do think that the way that we are set up these days just does not get the most out of the players that we have. And I think there are a lot of players that a lot of managers who could get more out of this roll call of players at the moment. Um, Because as Matt said earlier, I think seventh is looking like where we're going to go. And we can't just resign ourselves to this and say, you know what, this is where we are now. We're just going to get, we're going to be in life and death games with Crystal Palace at home. Who knows who's going to win outside of Burnley and Norwich we're never going to be favourites in going into games. We're just going to be nicking games here, losing games there. It's not good enough. We're Arsenal. We should we should expect better. We demand better. And quite frankly, I'm not sure that that's Arteta anymore. No. And look, it, it, he's got to win games. He's not winning games. He's got us, uh, you know, a, a draw is not good enough at home to, to Crystal Palace, considering the lack of injuries. You know, one player missing. I'm sorry, not uh, not good enough. And he's uh, like, he's Arteta's got himself to blame for the predicament he's in. But um, hopefully, we can do something against Aston Villa because uh, it, there's still an opportunity to get uh, to get a decent points haul out of the four games. But you know, he's now got to win all three coming up. He's got to beat Aston Villa, which is going to be really difficult. He's got to beat. Watford. I think Leicester are the other team in the in the pub, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, they look back, they've had an awful start to the season, but they look like they've started to find their feet again. And they, you know, will come good and uh, and keep progressing up that league. But, but it's what, just a shame see... that the, the three, if we do get 10 points from 12 again, it would just be a shame that the two points that we drop are against Brighton and they're against Palace. You know, that's that's where you get disappointed because I feel like this squad will turn up against Leicester. You know, we beat them quite comfortably with the worst team um, earlier on in the year. We were better than them when we had them at home and they got very lucky with some refereeing decisions. But it's um, it's just there's no consistency to this. And we just need we just need five five wins on the bounce or something to to settle people into this. It's not going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I um, you know, I'm. There's not many things certain in, in life or football, but for that matter, I'd go as far as saying that I'm pretty sure we won't win all those games just because of what Arsenal bring. The fact is that we are consistently inconsistent and we will have some good performances, some good bits in those games, but Watford could do us. Like, that's the reality of it. We're talking about whether we can go to the King Power and get three points. We could get done by Watford. 
we 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 look a little bit better. I thought once again to big up um, Aaron Ramsdale in between the sticks. Lovely guy, top bloke. You know, you don't have to worry what about a player. Him. Look at those passes he was playing tonight. So confident. It, it was good. and some top saves as well. It was a really good save at the end of the first half. You know. Ben Wyatt, even though he likes a chicken korma as his favourite curry, the guy put in a decent performance today, I thought. I was quite impressed with what he brought. And he did have a bit of urgency about him. But what I don't like seeing, and this has happened once again, it was happening towards the end of Emery's era, era, is you have players so frustrated by the way that the team are playing, they almost jettison their roles and just start ramping. Do you know, like, in a cup game, when you know you're going out and then... You know, you've got a centre half playing up front for the last ten minutes because they're just like, well, what's happening ain't working, and we're going out, so I'm just going to do it, and that starts to happen towards the end. Like, there's a lack of structure that takes over because they go, it's not working, so they jettison roles, they stick everyone further up the pitch, and obviously we were chasing a goal. That's kind of understandable, but. It's not like we, you know, there are some teams that double down on their structure when they're under pressure because that's what gets them through. When you look at Liverpool, even I, I think back to a Liverpool game against Barcelona when they were 3 0 down going to Anfield. And, you know, everyone was writing them off, everyone was saying they're out, but they doubled down on the way they played, even though they'd just been absolutely run ragged in New Camp a couple of weeks before. It's because they believed in their structure. When we're tested, we don't believe in our structure, I don't believe. And that's the first thing to go. And it just means that not only are we confused when everyone's not on it, when we're put under pressure, our plans go out the window as well. And that's why it's a hard watch. And that's why it is so disillusioning for fans, you know, up and all over the globe watching Arsenal, because it feels like we're not, you know, one good player away from getting it right. We've actually got a lot of underlying issues. And I think there's a lot of players who... Still, one way or another, haven't haven't bought in. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that the. I mean, look, the the system today, we, like we started well, and then we just didn't. Then we took our foot off the gas because we believed that we were good enough to sit on a, sit on a one goal lead. You know, we had 17, 17 attempts at goal, six on target today. That's kind of standard of any era. What you would expect Arsenal to do against, um, against a, a Crystal Palace side. Like, I, I think that the problem is that we only started relying on the system when there was panic, right? We only started, uh, we, the, 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 there was a lack of urgency until we started losing the game. And then we went all out, you know, we brought Lacazette on and we looked a little bit better. It's, um, it's, it's, it's urgency. I thought it was, um, you know, it was urgency against Palace. Uh, it was, a, a, you know, there was fear against Brighton, but I, I, I think the, and I also think that some of the points from earlier on, like the, we want young players in the team. They are going to be inconsistent. When Saka is not at the races, uh, you're going to struggle. When Smith Rowe is not at his imperious best, you are going to struggle because his imperious best is still unknown, to be perfectly honest. But um, it's, it's just, it, I think it's just going to be frustrating and clunky. And, I, and, you know, to be honest, I think that we'll probably get that with a, with a new manager that comes in. But I think we will have bet, more, more good days. That's what we don't have. You know, people go, oh, I've, I've watched 100 games of Arteta. I think your mate, Suburban, uh, on Twitter, Suburban Guna Chris. Yeah. I think he said uh, that he's watched 100 games and 
can't really think of many good performances. And it's true. And if you're gonna if you're gonna run with this this young player vision, which we should, and it is correct, and we've got the right players for it, you've got to have some banger games. You've got to have some seven nils. You've got to have some games where you pepper their goal with 45 shots, you know, and then like sometimes you lose 4-0. But we don't get those 10 good games a season where you're like, damn, that was incredible. You know, we get one and then we dine off it for months. And if Arteta is going to survive in this job, he's got to show us something more and he's got to show us more consistently. And today he felt like an opportunity to do that. And he's fluffed these lines. Aston Villa, you, you would maybe we'll do something, but I feel like Aston Villa get the better of us of late. They just come out the traps. Um, and then you've got Watford and and, uh, and and a Leicester game. So I don't know. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but not enough. Not enough bang. Uh, not enough excitement, and not enough urgency when we went one 0 up. Um, and I guess that comes with a confidence thing. Like I don't think Arsenal are confident that they're going to get another goal, so it's probably easier to stay back. And maybe that's because this. Maybe they don't trust the system, but you know, it certainly got a little bit better when we were one goal down. Yeah, you know, and and it's an interesting, you know, uh, term you've put out there and that is that, you know, excitement. And that is the the was the buzzword I kept saying in after the North London derby. I felt excited again. My heart actually was racing based on the performance that I was watching, and I realized that I hadn't felt that for a long long time. Like I'm not 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 this isn't hyperbole here. I'm not just trying to, you know, Make a, a chuck this stuff out just to prove a point. I genuinely haven't felt excited by Arsenal for a long, long time, and that Northland London derby changed that for that moment. And that excitement is what you know. I, I realised I'd been longing for. It's not the promise of wins. You can't be promised success as a football fan. You know, you, there are ups and downs. That's the nature of it. But after two years, excitement has to be part of the package. And that is either winning big trophies, doesn't look like that's happening. We're not even in Europe this year. Um, we might be able to, you know, do a little cup run later in the uh, year, but we'll we'll wait and see. But in, if not, if you can't control that, certainly at this juncture, then good performances like the North London Derby, and let's be honest, that was only the first half. We were all right in the second half as well, but they came back into it. Like, we're not, consistently able to project our will onto our opponents and let them have to deal with all of the damage that we're going to bring to them. We we cower to other people's will far too much. And quite frankly, that is what's so boring for the fans, I think. It's just the monotony of it all and the predictability of it all. And I need excitement. And it, at the end of the day, if if this coach can't deliver it, deliver it, then it's on to the next one. Yeah. Look, I, he's got you've got to deliver performances at some point, and it's not always great results that keep you in a job. Great performances do, though. You know, I think Graham Potter is a prime example. He finished fifteenth in his first season, sixteenth in his second season, but everyone's still talking about him as one of the best coaches in the Premier League. Why? Because he delivers consistent performances. Uh, he doesn't always get the result, and he was horrendously unlucky last year. But you could you could see where the football was going. We don't we don't get that with Arteta. We don't get consistent performances, and you know we don't even get inconsistent. Like the gap, you know, like we don't really get terrible performances. 
and we don't really get great performances. We live in that boring sort of middle gray, gray world. You know, it's like we'll, we'll lose one nil or we'll win one nil. And we didn't hire an assistant coach from Manchester City to live in that world. We wanted to live in the world of Klopp. Bang, bang, rock and roll football. Or not even, you know, maybe we weren't asking for power and pace football. But at least, Pep, you know, Pep Guardiola um, always offers up a spanking, you know, every few games or whatever. Or a complete, you know, it, sometimes he'll lose a game, but at least he will have had 52 shots in the process. Arteta doesn't seem that final bit in the final third. It can't just be Aubameyang doesn't like to be physical. There must be another way of unlocking Aubameyang because he scored hundreds of goals in his career. But he doesn't look like scoring goals anymore. So a lot of a lot of work for Arteta to do. I don't think it's uh, an Arteta out situation yet. But I think it's. Uh, I, I, I think it. We're feeling very much like a seventh place team at the moment, and a seventh place team that doesn't deliver much joy. And that's not a great place to be as an Arsenal manager. And we deserve better. And Arteta. Do you think he'll go by Christmas now? Do you think he'll go by Christmas? I think we'll have a better idea of where we'll go by Christmas after these next three games. I think if we see more of that over the next three games, I think the fans will start to turn on the project a bit. I think the players will start to switch off. But there's every chance that we win the next three games. So I don't know. Like there, there has to be a there has to be a reaction off the back of it, and we can't. I don't want to be bemoaning that we lack Jack as control in midfield. I, I really don't want to be moaning that we're because that. That, that's not that's not a good story. Um, so Arteta's got to figure something out. We've got Thomas Party in midfield. He should be able to pick up um, the leadership duties that Jacker has left behind. And we've got a selection of you know fairly decent strikers that should be getting more chances in front of goal. And somebody outside of Aubameyang has got to step up for for goals. Aubameyang and Lacazette, and you know the young players aren't hitting the mark at the moment, and they really need to pick it up fast. Well, they do, but this is what happens when you build a squad in this image with so much importance placed on these young players where we, you know, how often were we talking on previous pods about the need for Emil Smith-Rowe and Saka to do double figures in goals this year and and or assists as well, you know, um, that there's no hiding place because they're in such important roles there. But at the end of the day, that's what the manager does. He's curated this team, he's put it together and... You know, it's live by the sword, die by the sword. And if they were going bonkers, scoring every week, I'm sure Arteta would have got the plaudits. And look, he's got the best out of Smith for all of this. If they're not, and it's looking like young players are just not ready to deliver, then yeah, it's coming to him as well. And I mentioned earlier, and just to kind of double double down on the point, when Arteta came in, there were a lot of um, things that, a lot of signs that he had turned corners in different ways. And that was, it seemed like there was a mentality shift it seemed like we were being pragmatic. It seemed like a number of things. And that, for me, is what we excused the poor performances based on. Because I all, there was always that wish. There was always that belief that coming from the La Masia style, you know, Pep Guardiola tutelage, you were going to see it play out and be borne out in the way that Arsenal um, attacked in, in future iterations of um, Arteta's um, uh, squad and his uh, tactical setup, but it just hasn't. And at this stage, you ain't getting longer than two and a half years, mate. This is it. Like this is the final exam paper. I tell you, you might have had, you might have thought you had a mock draft exam before. This is it. This is the paper, mate. And you need to start 
putting ink on the on it's <laughs> not to really strangle and torture the analogy of mine you know you've got to put that uh ink on the paper and and, and get marked on it because yeah. we can't excuse poor performances at this stage the fact is is you've broken you've talked about us not having really poor performances getting banged up that was another hallmark of what Arteta had uh, done, and I thought that kind of tied in with the uh, strength for down mentality as a squad. And then we got banged up 5-0 by City. And it's like, oh, right, no, we are capable of doing... I I think that that was... uh... (laughs) Well, it happened. It did happen. It was a COVID and Jacker-induced thing. No, well, um... I mean, again, we said we're not going to make excuses anymore. (laughs) So one thing, uh, I don't think mentality is an issue at Arsenal. I really don't think that it's a mentality issue. We scored a 95th minute equaliser. I know it's against Palace, but it shows the mentalities there. They fought to the end. Um, I think that it's. I think that the issues at the moment there's a, there's inexperience in the starting eleven. Senior players making dumb mistakes wasn't great, and the like it the urgency or the like it's. I can't work out whether it's urgency or fear, because I. You know, the Brighton game was fear. We didn't want to play through their press. Um, Brighton just took advantage of that. We scored a goal early, which was great. And then I think it was a, a bit of fear in the system again because we didn't go for a second. And is that because you're not confident enough? Um, like, what? I, I don't think it's uh, necessarily that there's a bit, that there's not like a, an Unai Emery bad mentality in the system. But, but a lack of confidence is still there. And hopefully, you know, th- th- We've got to get we've got to get that back. But I don't um, I don't necessarily think that. But you're right. If Arteta flunks this season, he's gone. That's it. That's it. He's had a he's had a chance. He's got all of his players in, and we've got to move on and find someone that can help kick things up a gear because you can't keep on giving somebody an opportunity to fail. At some point, there's got to be um, some results on the board or a, an obvious shift in the stadium that makes it fun because everyone will support a young a young squad. Should do anyway. Like someone said, oh, don't blame the fans. The fans need to understand that tutting and groaning in the stadium isn't going to be good for young players anywhere. And young players at Arsenal don't always like playing um, at home because the supporters aren't always behind them. But uh, like, there's got to be some fun and there's got to be some joy. And joyous football, even if you lose, keeps most fans happy if they can see that there's progress. And Arteta's not bringing the joyous performances apart from the Spurs game. So... He has to do something against Villa. Exactly. It has to be a turnaround, right? And, and you know, to go back to your point, when I say about mentality, I'm not... T- of course, you know, we were trying, of course, but I'm talking about mentality of, you know, a lack of players switching off, a lack of, you know, um, not playing for each other in certain ways. Yes, there's effort when it's like, let's get a goal, but in the moments when it comes to, can we stabilise? Can we get together and dig in and say, we're not giving away a goal for 10 minutes here? And we just can't seem to... You know, we're just not rigid enough. We're not we're not wedded to the system that we play enough, and so that's where the mistakes come from because they're not the players aren't all bought into the way that we play. That's kind of more what I'm saying. It's not that they don't try. It's not even that they don't necessarily like the coach. It's that I don't think they're convinced by what we're doing. I don't think we put our best foot forward, and I think that sometimes that 
um, you know, kind of transmits from the players and their performances on the pitch. Um, and yeah, of course, you know, you, just on that last point, you say if he doesn't get it right this season, he's got to go. I think everyone knows that anyway. I've been saying he should have gone last summer, but I'm saying specifically for you even, you know more than anything, the earlier you can get a coach in with a view to, obviously we're not looking like we're going to be in danger of anything crazy happening, like getting relegated or anything. Um but if we're not going to push on and achieve our goals, then why not start looking at the next summer in terms of our recruitment with a new coach in mind? We've consulted them. What kind of these these this is your um, kind of blueprint of players that we will sign. They have to be young. They have to be athletic. All of the um, profile that we've been um, we've switched to, and that's a good thing. But are there any ones that fit our our profile that you like? Because they should be being consulted. So. What's the point in giving him to the end of the season so he can go on another little, you know, bounce of a run with four games to go when we're out of all the competitions? And some fans, the Arteta sexuals, will come out again and say, hey, I think we've turned a corner this time. Really, really. Just give him one more year. You know, that, that's what I'm saying. And at some point, the cord has to get cut. I don't think it's going to be tonight. I don't think it's going to be next week. But we said, if you're not doing it by Christmas, what's the point in going on? What is the point? You know, and and really, whether this we trust this board to do it or not, if they had anything about them, if performances continue the way they are, they should be tapping other managers up, at least working out what opportunities there are in terms of Arteta's replacement. Yeah, look, uh, there should be a, there should, a club should always be thinking about what happens if a manager leaves or a manager underperforms. But then you start, then 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 we're in a. Then we're in the next the next realm of nightmare scenarios. Then you're letting Vinay, who has <coughs> absolutely no leadership capabilities, or Edu leading the charge in between whipping up a, a few sausages on a barbecue. So um, we'll look forward to that. But yeah, like underperformance this season with the the money that he's given uh, is cause for dismissal. So he's got he's got. A, pull it out of the bag in the next three games. So it's basically three wins on the bounce. Um, otherwise, there are going to be deep, deep questions because we're going to go into a crunch after the next international break um, with a lot of big managers um, that we've got to go up against. So um, it's going to be, um, it could be unpleasant viewing if he doesn't get these players to um, pick up their confidence and, and move things forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, just overall, I think we've kind of been around a little bit on it. And I know I can just see from some of the comments and shout out to everyone who's been watching this. We appreciate it and we love the kind comments as well. But, um, you know, there's a lot of Arsenal fans out there. I'm seeing comments like lack of trust breeds fear from John Harrison. Um, Robert Siegel saying, lads, we are a fragile side. And that feels very, very real right now. Um, and uh, uh, we, yeah, we've got a few. Come, some Mikel Arteta come the end of the season. That point might be the difference between finishing thirteenth or fourteenth. <laughs> be positive and trust the process. Indeed, I love it. We have to be sarcastic and we have to laugh. Um, as Arsenal fans, it's one of the only things that can keep us going. <laughs> so um, people are I, I like. I'm sorry, but I, I do find when people go, "Oh yeah, trust the process." Listen. 
doesn't matter what job you're in, what industry you're in, if you don't believe that there is always a process, then you don't work in anything that, that matters. This trust the process thing, like some manager is going to come in and say, Arteta told you about a process. We don't do process under my leadership. It's like a, an idiot thing. It's like student level, like, you know, people come back and go, oh, trust the process. Like, what are you working? You work in a sweet shop. They've got process in sweet shops, my friend. Yeah, but stock things, order, like the trust the process thing drives me up the wall. Because you know what? Grand Potter will have process. Conte will have process. Like the, if the process isn't working, it, 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 that's, that, then you change the process. But there will always be process. I just find it's like people used to say that about the red zone. When um, I used to write about the red zone, they go, oh, I suppose so-and-so is in the red zone. Like an actual thing that tells you when players are, are going to get injured through through their GPS systems and people have mock it. And it's like, it's, it's a real thing, mate. I don't know why you're, I don't know why you're mocking it or what you, whether you make it, this makes you look intelligent. Well, I'm, I'm, winds, I'm the trust the process thing winds me up. Cause it's I'm just sure, like, oh. the thing is, I'm sure you're right. You know, in, in, in the front that of course, every manager would have a process, but the fact is, is that of course we all jump onto different things and sound bites, just like, Unai Emery was ultimately a Spanish person trying to master English, and yet "Good evening" became a punchline. Well, linked linked to the Newcastle job. Big oh, Unai's coming back. Well, he wins. He's coming back to, you know I mean? to seek his uh, vengeance. But on, the fact uh, is, is what what jars with the trust of process? I think with most Arsenal fans is yeah. Well, I'm trusting my eyes. I can see what my eyes are saying, and I didn't know about a process, but I can see that every week we turn up and we look more times than not, not good enough or nowhere near where we need to be. And so trust the process seems to be like something that a zealot would pump out, um, convinced by someone who hasn't, you know, earned the trust of the fans. And that's what I would say. I'm not quite against that. So I understand why that gets pulled out as a barb because, you know, when we base it off of what we're seeing, I'm not sure the process makes sense quite frankly and and you know of course every manager has a process but this one it looks like it might not be fit for purpose look the when you go into when you go into a new job uh the easiest thing to affect is process because uh great output doesn't exist without great process and then you implement your ideas and then you rinse repeat and you tweak and you make things better the process is already in place. Like you can't keep on relying on the process. After a while, it's is that processing, is that process impacting results? Yeah. Doesn't look like that. So whatever process you put in place, whatever ideas you are putting into this process, something is wrong because it's not delivering at the moment. So you've got to go back and go, what are the things that are going wrong? What uh like how can we tweak process? How can we make things better? And that's the state that Arteta's in at the moment because. I think we're a pretty solid defensive unit, like bar the silly mistakes tonight. But we just can't attack. And we that's been a, um, you know, we're a low margins, low chance side. And we've got all of these players that can break the lines, ping balls from deep, um, you know, carry the ball. And we're still not creating chances. So it, it, it's not a process issue now. It's a system issue. So yeah. the system has to be tweaked and great managers find a way to make the most out of their system and um, or they, they, they tweak it to suit the players that they've got. And Arteta has shown that I don't think he's the best manager for working with imperfect tools. 
most managers would find a way to make Aubameyang bang. And it doesn't look like Arteta is able to do that. And that's you know deeply concerning because we've got to deal with this for the rest of the season. Well, yeah, exactly. And I, I think that is uh, the biggest blotch against his name, ultimately. And, you know, you are right. This isn't a process. This is results time. Um, and one way or another, you cut, there are no more excuses here. This is it. And again, you're not going to get, he's not going to get the opportunity, certainly from me and like-minded folk, to keep having these little upturns in, in form off the back of shocking runs of form. Because I'm not, it doesn't, it doesn't convince me anymore. It doesn't mean anything to me. Three good games on the bounce. Great. Okay. What's happening in the fourth game and the fifth game? I need to see sustained, you know, a a sustained shift in form that comes about through uh, an increased um, level of performance on the pitch, you know, which is seemingly coming from a plan that everyone's bought into and understands what they're doing. That's the only way that I could feel confident we could still be winning games in May and April, because otherwise we're just going to go up and down. We turn it on and turn it, switch it off just, you know, at the drop of a hat. And that is why ultimately I think the plan's not worked. You know what? You know what? I think you could, I think I could specify it a little bit sharper. What annoys me about the current thing. It's never a two, two draw where we've just banged and got unlucky. It's, it's always, you know, like we always flop over the line for the 2-2 draw. Or it's, uh, you know, it's not, we're not losing and we are absolutely blowing it out of the water. We're losing because we're completely shit. That's the depressing thing. Um, like That's the difference between what Klopp was doing in his first two years yeah. at Liverpool and what we're doing at Arsenal. Like, we're not, we're not losing with glorious failure. Remember under Wenger, the glorious failures day? There's no glorious failure in the way that we draw or the way that we lose. It's just shit. Yeah. And I think the, you know, if if, if Arteta could do anything in the next three months, it's get better top-end performances. And if you're going to draw, at least do it in an exciting, fun way. Yeah. and Because then we'd have something that we could, like, look to. But, like, games like today, you're like, just drab. Just drab. The fact is, is we're not nearly there. That's the thing. You yeah. know, you look at these results. It's not, oh, we're nearly there. Just got to get, no, we're not. We're miles off. We look miles off. We feel miles off. The fans know it. And that is why at this stage, it's not good enough to be miles off. You've got to be showing us where we are going, like it's around the corner. And if it ain't, time to call an end to this uh, story. Listen, Johnny, it's starting to get miserable. Listen, the, uh, the Arteta outs are, are back on top, back on top this week. <laughs> this, this, is, this is your week like I, I wouldn't say bask in the glory because I know that you don't enjoy this because uh, you're an Arsenal fan but it's uh, yeah it's going to be it's going to be a shit week it's not a shit week for me at least I've got until Friday yeah yeah and we've got uh, some great stuff happening with the podcast this week feels natural to move on to that on Wednesday we have an Arsenal legend coming on this very podcast don't we Pete we do we do that's going to be uh, very exciting. Yeah, because when we talk about, you know, um, our defence being more shored up and starting to be more reminiscent of previous great defences, well, what better than to have a guest on who knows all about classic Arsenal defences, part of the all-time legendary Arsenal back four, still got his hand in the air right now. Uh, Nigel Winterburn is coming on this very 
podcast, the Arsenal Opinion podcast. So make sure you guys are tuned in on Wednesday. Special pod for you people. Johnny pulling the strings, pulling the strings with the legends. Well, you know, you know, just uh, I know everyone, everyone's got to find a place to come and chat about Arsenal. We all know that. But everyone who's been tuned in today, it's been a miserable, miserable result. But in general, at least we're giving you guys something to look forward to. And surely Nigel has some ideas as to how Arsenal can turn this around. Absolutely. All right, Johnny. Well, I will, we will all look forward to that and we will be tuning in on Wednesday. Johnny, thank you for introducing the show today. And I, I listened in because I was, I was watching in the background, um, but it, it, was a, it was a great podcast with you and Matt earlier. So thank you for that. And uh, do you want to tell people where they can get you? As always on my socials, at iJohnnyCochran, chuck us a little follow, say hello. It will be much, much welcomed. Um, and yeah, apart from that, I will see. Well, we'll we'll see you on Wednesday with none other than Winty. Winty, lovely. Ciao for now. If you love to be remembered as the person who gives the best birthday gifts. I'm here to tell you that 1-800-Flowers.com is your ultimate birthday gifting destination. 1-800-Flowers has thoughtful and artfully created options that are guaranteed to deliver the best birthday surprise. Shop thousands of unique gifts at 1-800-Flowers.com for exclusive offers and great values. To order today, visit 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.